0: Last Sunday at Evensong, I was pleased that my rusty knowledge of French allowed me to translate the name of the organ prelude that Victoria Hardin beautifully played. It was one movement in Olivier Messiaen's Ascension Suite, and it's entitled "Prière du Christ montant vers son Père," which means "Prayer of Christ ascending to His Father." It struck me, oddly enough, that I had never imagined the risen Jesus praying as he physically passed out of the sight of his amazed followers. But of course he prayed, rather than simply enjoying the view. It wasn't just like a hot air balloon ride. <laughs> we don't usually think about it, but Jesus prayed all the time. In today's gospel text, he offers his extended high priestly prayer in which on the night before he died, he prays fervently, focusing not on himself, but on the Father whom he loves and on God's people whom he loves. He is all about mediating between the two, drawing them together so that believers may be bound to God in loving communion. Just as he and the Father share the divine life, which is true life indeed, which is eternal life. A lot of passion there, and Jesus in general was a very passionate fellow. He turned to his Father in prayer at all times and in all places. He struggled and prayed in the wilderness after his baptism. We remember him praying so fervently in the Garden of Gethsemane that sweat, Luke tells us, fell like great drops of blood from his forehead. He prayed even as he was being crucified and as he was dying on the cross, thinking not of himself, but of his Father, his mission, and his people. But he also prayed on more ordinary days, in the midst of his ministry. That is what got him through the day. It's a lesson there. That is what kept him on God's intended path and sustained him in the midst of many trials, tribulations, sorrows, and joys. This connection with the Father empowered him. Prayer was as natural to Jesus as breathing. Even the thick-headed disciples noticed this Asking him at one point, Lord, teach us to pray. And of course, Jesus then gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. We have a lot to learn from our Lord's example with regard to prayer. We tend to offer fervent, heartfelt prayer mainly when we feel desperate in the midst of emergencies rather than as a means of obtaining our daily bread, both literal bread and other forms of sustenance. And God does honor those uh, emergency prayers offered in faith, prayers of, we might say, desperation. In fact, they can be quite powerful when they come up out of the depths of our being. I remember uh, one, one Sunday... I was in England, and uh, came to church and knelt down before the service, as I was taught to do by my grandmother and Just out of the blue came this prayer from deep down and by the way i was I was on a sabbatical, and I was tired, I was lonely, and just out of the blue, this prayer came out, "God, I need someone and two days later, the prayer was answered. <laughs> But, I, you know, there, there is some power in something that is not premeditated. It just comes up out of the depths, out of our deep need. And it's like that Psalm, I think it's 130, it says, Out of the depths I call to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. So that kind of prayer is important uh, and can bring powerful results. But pray- prayer is not magic. It involves opening ourselves up to the presence, the power, And the will of God. It involves acknowledging that there are powerful realities. Right at hand. Beyond what we can immediately see. And apprehend. We say in the creed. I believe in all things. God created all things visible and invisible. Seen and unseen. There's a whole realm we can't see. But it's there. It's powerful. And God uh, calls us to follow our Lord's example. And make a habit of turning to God, to what is unseen as well as what is seen, and rather than just praying in times of desperation, regular prayer the way Jesus um, exemplified. When I was in my 20s, not long after my confirmation, I was blessed to encounter regularly one example of this way of life where prayer is just built in. Very close to Harvard University, where I was in graduate school, was the main house of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, an Anglican monastic order which began in England in the 1860s and was extended to this country in the 1880s. These monks, who were very hospitable to me and other visitors, follow, uh, follow the Benedictine model of praying together multiple times a day, and of private prayer in between as the foundation of their life together and of their work to benefit their community, the church, and the larger world. And I was one of many who were drawn into that chapel in Cambridge, Massachusetts Uh, often. We had a weekly Tuesday Eucharist, but also there was prayer almost any time you needed it. They were offering it corporately. And in doing this, the monks promote the goal of Thomas Cranmer, the original compiler of our prayer book back in the 16th century, who wanted the whole post-Reformation church to benefit from the daily round of prayer and scripture reading that had mainly characterized clerics, monks, and nuns. Cranmer combined elements from the traditional seven monastic daily services or offices into two services or offices, morning and evening prayer, which we still have today, along with noonday prayers and also nighttime prayers known as Compline. The church thus offers us a gift, readily accessible forms of prayer combined with prescribed daily readings, not too hard to learn to do this, which foster our relationship with God and remind us of our call to put prayer at the heart of our lives. Happily for us busy, distracted people, we don't have to be in the perfect frame of mind and heart for this prayer to be valid, for it to be efficacious. Praying the office, which includes psalms, other scripture readings, songs of praise, and short, hymn, uh, short, sorry, short prayers daily over time can powerfully draw us into consciousness of that realm that is at least in part unseen which we call God's kingdom in our midst and this makes us more aware of and responsive to God's will just keep returning to God regularly almost set your your watches set your uh, timers you know to to stop uh at certain times every day it's pow- it has a powerful transforming effect I'll give you a a brief example Um, for years I've tried to do this not always successfully but morning and evening prayer every day and there was one day a few years ago when I was driving from Newport to uh, Jonesboro with uh, a parishioner named Ann and uh, we really shouldn't have gone because it was snow it started to snow (laughs) on the way And we should have turned around and gone back. But, of course, we didn't because I was visiting someone in the hospital and so on. So I thought, we got to go. So we did, you know, uh, made our visit. And then we headed back at the end of the day just as it was getting dark. And the weather had gotten worse. And the traffic was totally backed up going southward from Jonesboro, going back to Newport. And so we were just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And I said, Ann, why don't we say evening prayer? (laughs) You know? We, we have a prayer book and we have a Bible, you know, let's just, I mean, you know, it's a way to pass the time, but also it might make us feel better <laughs> about this waiting. We've got a snowy drive ahead of us, so we did. That was really nice, and and then we drove on, and you know, finally when the traffic started moving, it got dark. We were off on a, an even smaller road, and uh, I know you'll laugh, maybe, but we both of us smelled this really sweet smell. What is that? Okay, you know, I, I attribute it to some heavenly influence. And then right after that, we were turning left uh, onto a road that had a kind of slope to it, and there was a kind of a ditch on the other side. And I swear, you know, when we tried to make that turn, the car kind of spun a little bit, and really, I think the only thing that kept it from going into the ditch was, um, you know, angels. I don't know. <laughs> you know, It was, but it was, and anyway, um, whether that was the case or not, whether we were um, sort of uh, kept from a, a major accident is an open question. But I do think that our prayer had transformed the situation. The best benefit of that experience was not that we were saved from slipping off the road, but that, we were more aware as a result after both prayer and that experience of God and of the heavenly realm, um, which uh, uh, the awareness of which this promoted. So sometimes if we're in the groove of prayer, we see things we might not otherwise see. We might even smell things (laughs) we otherwise wouldn't smell. I mean, it's a whole whole other thing that's real but not seen. So what we seek through this regular prayer is transformation of our awareness, of our connection with this realm, and transformation of prayer, I mean of of our lives through prayer is a primary goal of 25 of us from Trinity, plus a deacon from Jacksonville, who will be visiting sites in England in mid-June that represent the power of prayer to change lives and the larger world. Of course, we don't understand exactly how it works, but we know from experience and from Scripture it has powerful results. So please pray for us, especially between June the 14th and the 20th, and, and, and we over there will remember folks back home in our prayers. As Christians, N.T. Wright reminds us, we are called to live where heaven and earth overlap. Following our Lord's example, we pray not only because we need God's help and strength, but because God wants to make us instruments of his peace. It not only helps us, it impels us into a way of life in accordance with God's will. And uh, even when we feel like we don't know how to pray as we ought, St. Paul tells us that God's own spirit prays within us, And intercedes for us, so it's like it's not just I who am praying, but it's God within me who's praying. And as that happens, we start longing for what God longs for—justice and peace, so on. Uh, We start longing for what Christ came for. We become the, the folks Jesus is referring to in the Beatitudes, you know. Um, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We get into that mode, which is a gift from God. Uh, We want, as God does, the redemption or renewal of the whole creation. And then we will pray not only with our hearts and with our words, but with our lives with our, our actions become forms of prayer. That's the goal of all this. We will be caught up in what God is doing in Christ by means of the Spirit, and our lives will proclaim thereby no, uh, nothing less than God's power to bring life from the dead. We will be living uh, witnesses to the resurrection as Jesus told the the, uh, disciples right before he ascended into heaven, you will be my witnesses. Like those apostles, the Blessed Virgin, and other members of Jesus' family who gathered there after Jesus ascended into heaven, as Luke tells us, awaiting the promised Holy Spirit and devoting themselves constantly, we read. They devoted themselves constantly to prayer. Like them, we show up for God and for each other. That's what prayer is really. We're showing up for God and for each other open to the rich gifts which God most surely has in store for us.